Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everyone, to episode two of the Neil Garfield Question and Answer After Show, humorously entitled Garfield's Goose and Friends. This call is not associated with Neil, Living Lies, or his law firm or other interests. It is the sole responsibility of the friends of Neil Garfield. I'm your host, Greg, coming to you live from the birthplace of the American Bar Association and the home of Abraham Lincoln, Al Capone, the Untouchable at Operation Greylard, where the motto is, vote early, vote often. This is a one-hour program in which we hope that some questions and answers relating to discussions on the Living Lies blog might be addressed. No accounting or legal advice is given herein. If you need a lawyer or a CPA, please hire one authorized to work in your state. So, where shall we begin? We have a caller on the line from South Carolina. Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Greg. Who is this? This is Neva. Hi, Neva. Um, Did you have a chance to listen in to uh, the Neil Garfield uh, call tonight? Yes. I thought the attorney who spoke uh, really knows his stuff. Here's what we need, unfortunately. We don't have any cases yet that we can... Um, cite in a pleading where the homeowner won on rescission. If there is, maybe uh-huh. there's something there that we don't know, but I would love to know what that is. Um, I guess one of the important things that probably will take until next year uh, because of the deliberation of the Supreme Court is the, uh, the case that uh, Neil had posted regarding whether or not the uh, trust actually owns the mortgage, right? Uh, improper assignments. Uh, right. And did they, pay, to, did they pay money, and do they have a receipt that they paid for that note and mortgage to be put into the trust? Right. And uh, that's a very critical issue. That's right, and they haven't done anything about it. Uh, they just gloss over it. I've been there. I stood there in front of the judge and told them that, and they'd look at me like I have three heads. Well, another thing, you know, I had, I did actually go and look at a lot of the documentation that uh, Bob had suggested to look at. 
on his website that he had posted. And as I had mentioned on the blog, there is a lot of really good information there. It's just tilted into a particular direction. That's correct. Um, but, but if you look at it objectively, um, you'll see that the case files that are listed pertaining to courts refusing to allow homeowners to utilize the claim that their mortgage was never properly put into the trust because of violations of the pooling and servicing agreements, the judges are constantly saying, well, Mr. Homeowner, you don't have any standing to complain about that. And it's really ridiculous if, from a practical perspective uh, that you know people would be allowed to commit a crime and then use that crime with unclean hands to then do something to you and you don't have a right to go back and complain about it. So, I mean, on the face of it, just common sense-wise, most people are just blown away that these courts are ruling in favor of the banks when they had no right or status or standing to actually bring the suit in the first place. What do you think about that? Oh, unfortunately, that's been going on since the get-go. Although, once the trusts started saying they were uh, foreclosing on people's houses, that's when we started getting into the question of what what does the trust actually own, and can they prove it? And we haven't seen any documents where they prove it because they don't have any. But the judges are saying that you don't, Mr. Mr. Homeowner, you don't have standing to even complain about that. And as we've discussed previously, if in fact mortgage-backed securities caused our uh, land values to go up and therefore the taxes, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The land doesn't go up in value. The taxes go up. And the taxes directly ding you, which means that adds your standing into the trust too. So you have the right to sue. Right. What Neva is saying is that uh, based on a lot of legal research that I did, um, for example, I pulled down 10 years of Illinois State Investment uh, documentation showing that the taxpayer's money is invested by the state, the county, the city, et cetera, into these various mortgage pooling agreements, these REMICs, that have failed. And that because they were betting on those things, they failed. Now, all the state budgets are destroyed. Even Illinois can't pay its own obligations to their lottery winners. It's amazing. I mean, people thought that this would be a pool of funding originally done for school education and, and untouchable, so it would never be corrupted. But now they're all finding out that even the lottery has been corrupted. And it's taken a hit in the ass from all the losses on these mortgage pulling agreements. So every taxpayer, every citizen resident of the state in which you live most likely has a direct claim as a third-party beneficiary because, remember, your government is nothing more than your representative, your agent, to spend your money properly for you, for your benefit. That's all they're there for. 
They're, you're giving them tax money. Now make it work for me. That's why they're there. So if they fail and those mortgage-backed securities are a direct investment by your agent, the state government, or the city or the county, you absolutely, certainly must have a claim as the beneficiary. And you can walk into the court with two hats on, one as the homeowner and one as the beneficiary of the trust. And that way, if you bring in both hats, the judge can't legally tell you no. Do you agree with that, Neva? Yes, I do, except that, as we all know, the judge's uh, pension plans are invested in mortgage-backed securities, too. They don't like you standing there. They see their investment going down the tuberous, although they have already gone down the tubes because of the fraud attached to mortgage-backed securities. So they actually are getting dinged from two directions, not only on their investments, but their own land and house uh, through the ta- increase in taxes caused by the mortgage-backed security scandal and uh, foreclosure nightmare. Right. And the one thing that nobody's really investigated in yet, I shouldn't say nobody, I saw a few things about two or three years ago where various judges were given sweetheart deals from different mortgage companies for reductions in their interest rate and reductions in principal for no reason whatsoever other than it seemed like a gift. Well, and it's an incentive, perhaps. But we should really be looking into those things as well. Our, we should be pushing our attorneys general to look into those things. But, of course, their retirement fund is also based on that. You know, at some point in time, I don't know how we're going to extricate our law enforcement officers from our purveyors of law, you know, the judges and the attorneys general. At some point in time, the sheriffs and the attorneys general are going to have to assume a posture in opposition to the judges. And I don't know how long that's going to take, and I don't know when it's going to take effect. But it's going to really have to happen. And remember that many of the law enforcement people also own property and houses. Okay? How many of them want to be involved in foreclosure when their house is being foreclosed on too? Exactly. And, you know, we haven't even delved into the murky rabbit hole of where is the money. Oh yeah. Looking at looking at the current situation of the United States and how money is created, and that a promissory note is cash. It's really cash, and they just take your note and convert it into a check and send it away. And so you loan them three hundred thousand dollars, then they use that to leverage it to nine times its value for doing short-term loans, bank-to-bank trust stuff, and they turn it into like, you know, $4 million, and they still want you to pay back for what you just created for them. And I don't really want to go into all the details of that here and right now because 
you know, will start sounding like some, you know, patriot revolutionary kind of crazy website, which is not what I'm interested in doing. But those things are actually documented and lost and uh, are ignored a lot. That That's the, uh, the business of other websites. <laughs> they talk about that. Well, part of it, of course, comes down in a giant pyramid of crap from the Federal Reserve, because that's all crap right from the get-go. Sure. Fractional reserve debt That's what you get. Borrow any money, and mm-hmm. it's fractional reserve. And they, the other thing they do is they sell the notes multiple times. Yes. So they're making even more money on it, and people are buying things that have nothing in them. Do you have any uh, proof that they sold your note multiple times? Well, there's two notes in my case. <laughs> one is in one law firm's file and is was forged with an auto pen, and the other one is a copy with a blue ink mark next to my name that I was not allowed to touch because I knew full well it was a copy, and I would find that out instantly when I touched it. So there's two notes in my case. What I found interesting is um, the uh, original notes, or not the original, but the, the notes that were originally provided by the law firm on behalf of the trustee have a bunch of black markers blocking out certain things on the documents, all right, mm-hmm. so that they're not readable. But those things are not on my original. I have a blue copy original. They have one, too. We had two copies made at the closing, right? Mm-hmm. So here's one, here's one, here's one for you, one for me, right? So I actually have an original. <laughs> and, and it doesn't have any of those black mark, magic marker knockouts of things that they don't want people to see. But the instruments that were recorded in the court case have these things on them. So it shows an element of modification since the original. Yeah, that's not okay. No, it's not okay. And on the original assignment, I mean, let's just imagine this. You have a note taken out in 2000, or a note issued, not taken out. I don't take out a note. I issue a note, right, because I'm creating money. So I issue the money in 2004. And... During this whole period of time, New Century Bank is going through all kinds of financial disasters, culminating in a bankruptcy in 2006 and 2007. Well, uh, finally, in July of 2006, two years after the contract was tendered to me, they get around to doing an assignment of the mortgage, supposedly into this trust, which closed at the end of 2004. Right. So Mine all that, seven. pretty much the possibility. And then on the instrument that they recorded at the county recorder's office, it lists no mortgagee's name, no date recorded, 
No document instrument entry number. No book volume docket lever code number. No page number. No property index number. And it says on here, you know, for a proper description of the property, see exhibit A attached here too and made a part thereof. Well, it says right in the upper right-hand corner of the county recorder that only one page was recorded. So that means that the Exhibit A never got attached. Right. And it's a fraudulent document. It's a fraudulent or defective document. Right. Right. And then you something about your PIN number. Yeah, and and, uh, there was two sets of PIN numbers, and they never recorded them. And then later on, of course, they changed the PIN number to another PIN number. Um, But what's more fun is that during the foreclosure process, recorded in 2014, after the judgment. <laughs> yes. After the judgment. Well, that's corrective how I... assign. There's, a, there's a, another thing that they put in here called corrective assignment of mortgage. That's a the purpose. Yeah. Qu- quote: The purpose of this corrective assignment is to correct the mortgage document number and legal description of the assignment recorded. As instrument on July 10th, 2008, as instrument number blah, blah, blah. Now, guess what? I don't care if they need glasses, but there was nothing recorded in 2008. The original attempt, which was screwed up, was 2006. And so now, afterwards, they do this thing, and then they have all the blocks filled out. And they weren't there before. But it doesn't say it's to correct the mortgage instrument. It doesn't say to add the mortgagee because there was no mortgagee listed. Well, so so that means for eight years there was no mortgagee. And then after they started a foreclosure process, they decided to add a mortgagee. And that's a good defense, by the way. They added on my case, my first case, which was a foreclosure against me, all I did all I had to prove was that the assignment was done after they filed the lawsuit. Okay? So they didn't own it at the time they filed the foreclosure lawsuit against me and the judge dismissed it. But the judge should have dismissed it with prejudice, which he did not, and then they sued me again from the trust. Right. And there's no way to know if the thing is actually in there. Um, I think that there's a service through Bloomberg that you can actually track down the QCIP number for your actual note mortgage. In Bloomberg Terminal is very, very expensive, and what I've just read recently is no longer available to people not in the biz. So you'd have to hire somebody in the biz. Right, and I'm talking about major bucks here, okay? Major bucks. What is major bucks? Well, I mean, what have you what have you heard? I don't know. It's like I'm some, still. I, I just started looking into it. What did you hear? Eight thousand dollars a month or a year to be a member on <laughs> terminals, okay? And that would be. Oh, a, I don't. Oh, I wall. see. But 
I, I'm not thinking about doing that. I'm thinking about subcontracting somebody who already has that access. I understand that. So then it's, I'm sure it will come down. But on the other hand, uh, considering how much they have to pay for a subscription uh, and then whatever their, their you know, criteria is, whatever their CPA or whatever the hell they are, um, that you have to pay for that too. So I would guess somewhere around ten grand for a single lookup. Um, you know, I don't. I can't tell you for sure. I'm just. Well, I don't know. I think that that would be insane. But uh, you know, I could definitely see like five hundred to a thousand dollars for something as valuable as that. Well, you're gonna have to Google Bloomberg. Uh, terminal and somebody we had somebody who was either on living lies or foreclosure fraud or one of the blogs who had access to the Bloomberg terminal this was several years ago uh-huh. and then I saw more recently that the Bloomberg terminal was no longer available to most people and of course you would have to go through some third party who has access to it which I assume that people who have the highest level investment license uh, on Wall Street would have access to that. Stockbrokers with the high-end license. No, but there's probably probably a lot of other smaller firms that uh, have access, you know, investment companies and uh, uh, mortgage mortgage companies and uh, retirement companies, you know, folks that uh, help people with their retirement planning and stuff like that. I bet there's a lot of of folks that uh, have access to that. And it's just a matter of maybe uh, sending them a note or dropping in and ringing their doorbell and saying, hi, I'd like to know if you could help me do a lookup on something. Yeah, well, you can probably Google uh, Bloomberg Terminal um, Lookup Licensed. See, stockbrokers have to have a a license, okay? And my issue is whether you have to be licensed as a stockbroker or some other financial guy who can look into the uh, terminal. I don't know what the restriction is. That's what I'm trying to figure out. How are they restricting it? To whom? So that's that's my whole point there. Right, but if you can dig up the QCIP number for your original loan number and show that it's been paid 100 times, Right. Um, that would be really difficult for anybody to show that they suffered any loss. Uh, actually, I think someone has done that. Okay, I read about it on mm-hmm. one of the blogs that somebody did have their QCIP number and showed that their loan had been paid off um, and it had been paid off completely. There was nothing left on it. It was all done. And see, the other thing you want to know is... What kind of insurance policies did they have? What was the the um, the policy that's on these? That's why they want you to go to foreclosure because they collect on all of these insurance policies. Right, and and in fact, uh, AIG was the big insurance company, and there were other ones, and they all basically had to dump all of their money into the into the insurance claims by those banks. That's right. Forcing forcing the taxpayers to to, to back pool. them. To pull up and back the the saving of AIG. That's right. And so we ended up paying the insurance company 
for bailing out the companies that committed fraud against us. That's right. So it's because one big they, ball of crap. Right. Because, you know, you're sitting there as a 14th Amendment American citizen saying, hey, of United States of American government, I've got your back. I'll I'll pay for all your shit. And that's what you're doing as a 14th Amendment citizen. Well. I mean, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to make that sound like another patriot movement crazy nonsense, but that is a fact. All right? Yeah, they met everybody in every direction they could come up with on this whole scam, including the insurance. You know, just just from my perspective, I want everybody to know that I am absolutely not subscriber to the thinking of most of these radical patriot movement crazy people, okay? Um, it's it's almost like when you give a, a, a six-year-old a book of matches, you know, certainly it's a very powerful tool, but you don't give it to somebody who doesn't understand how to use it. And a lot of the information that is true that can help us as real American men and women gets into the hands of people that, you know, ought to still be in some kind of a machine shop apprenticeship. So, excuse my... Oh. Excuse my comment. And if they don't have the wherewithal to understand and utilize the information, it is just like giving a six-year-old a book of matches. All right? And so then the enemies of the information or the people will then attack you and say, hey, it's the information that's messed up. But it's not. It's the user of the information that's messed up. And they'll try to throw the baby out with the bathwater, to use an old phrase. What do you think about that? Well... The the this this eventually has to be resolved because there's over 20 million people that are being forced out of their homes, okay? And there it's right. it's destroying our country and destroying other countries as well. It can't be left to go on like this. It just can't. It has to come to an end. And it's either going to come to an end like making sense or it's going to be some kind of end that's not good for anybody. It has to come to an end. What goes up must come down. So Well, unless unless of course you get to escape orbit and then you can leave. Well there's that. <laughs> also that. But I can't see this going on forever because it messes everything up. It it not only that, but you know, when you start looking at this scam, you realize how many people are involved in it. From the 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 ordinary realtor to the realty companies, to the title companies, to the attorneys, the attorneys at the title company, the paralegals, the mortgage brokers. Now we have the clerk of court is involved in it in another capacity. And, of course, we know about the banks, and the big banks are the ones who actually came up with this scam. But insurance companies, this is one of the questions I've always had, the insurance companies had to pay through the nose. How come they have not sued more 
these banks. It doesn't make sense, does it? Right. Uh, I was hoping because to see... Because, you know what, but I think if you really examine it, everything happened within the terms of their contract. Their contract did not specify anything about motive or operation or anything else around it. It was an absolute insurance policy. It was a very simple absolute insurance policy. So they were stuck paying them because that's what the contract said. Well, even though, even though in hindsight you can prove that they devised it themselves in order to get the insurance money, right? Yes. The poor insurance company, I don't want to say poor insurance company because I think most insurance companies are the bane of all evil, but um, in this case, they were set up for the fall. They were set up to take it. Well, the, United the other States government they, bailed out the insurance companies. They got but, bailed out too. Yes, all of us bailed those son of a bitches out. Right. So they just went over to the Federal Reserve and said, "Print us some more money." Exactly. And that, that don't worry. And yeah, don't worry about it. The American people will cover us. It's, you know, it's going to come down to getting to the place where the American people just don't cover them anymore. In other words, we have we have a government which is addicted to betting, like in Vegas. Yes. And and they count on us as mommy and daddy to keep paying for their bets. That's right. And then we have the Congress facilitate. We have to just cut the kid off and say you're on your own. Right. That's what they should have done in 2007 when the thing blew up. Like, Mommy and Daddy are not going to pay for your nonsense anymore. Right. We're done. We have to take care of your brothers and sisters. Just because <laughs> you're addicted to gambling doesn't mean that we have to always take care of you. And, you know, so what have they done? They created a situation where they can have all kinds of guys in military outfits come and hold a gun to the head of mommy and daddy and say, oh, the hell are you going to not pay for our gambling? Well, you're going to pay for our gambling, daddy. And and what kind of government is that when your son or daughter, who is your operative agent in the government, holds a gun to your head? What kind of government is that? No. And so far, that's what we've had. And, and they're, they're trying to build a new bubble. And I don't know why anybody would buy a house right now. I would, even if if you don't have the full cash for the house, do not buy it. You know, the people who have the right idea, sadly and miraculously, are the recent immigrants. Yes. From all over the world, where they'll have 20 or 30 people moves into a house, and it's not very safe, and it's not very hygienic. However, they'll take all that income from all the 20 or 30 people, and they'll actually buy a house and pay for yes. it. The Mexicans and do even, that. Even though, and even though they live like hell, they live free of this monster. Yes, and they deal in and cash. This, 
but and this is what our ancestors did. This is mm-hmm. what our grandparents and great grandparents did. They rented, lived very frugally until they saved up to buy a place. Yes. And then as soon as as soon as they bought a place, doorbell starts ringing and the bankers they're going, hey, don't you want to take out a home equity loan? Mm-mm. You know he he locked to hell. You know. That's right. They're just as bad yeah. as a, 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 a it's mortgage. It's like they don't want, they don't like it when people are in control of their lives. And I don't blame them. Because if everybody was in control of their lives, they wouldn't have anything, they wouldn't have a pot to pee in. Right? Well... You want to be, you totally want to be able to stand on your own two feet. You don't want any debts attached to you. Yeah, in the Bible, you you know, biblically, you know, debt is equal to sin, right? Yep, I agree with that. And so if you want to talk to our friends who are Bible thumpers, mm-hmm. always remember that sin and debt are equal. They're the same word. It's just two different uh if you if somebody had a two thousand year old dictionary, you know they could look up the word debt and sin and find that they were the same. And then there's money is the root of all evil. Well, money's not the root of all evil, and there is no money. Money is a really precious thing when it's properly handled, because it is a storage unit like a battery or a capacitor for the surplus life energy of a productive man or woman. That's what it is. And if you imagine you grow a big garden and you have lots and lots of food, if you got more than you can eat, you end up putting it in little can jars, right? You get the ball jars and you boil them and everything, and you can you put everything up for the winter time, right? Yes. That's that's what money is. When you generate more prosperity than you can use for your own use, practically, that is a surplus. And traditionally, we have stored that in items of value, like gold or silver coins, where the entire world recognizes that as a positive storage of positive value. That's what money's supposed to be. But instead, they dismantled that entire economic system and officially buried it in 1933. And then Nixon in 1971 put the final nail in the coffin so that there were no contracts that could be redeemed in gold or silver anymore. That's it. And then, of course, years after that, they said, okay, well, we're going to remove that restriction. And they removed that restriction because foreign countries, once again, wanted the guarantee of having currency of value from the United States in contracts. And through this entire escapade, there is only one entity of the United States that has never fallen prey to that bullshit. That's the United States Post Office. Yeah, they're trying to destroy the post office as fast. If you, if you, I mean, everybody did, Nixon did, Reagan did. But, if you get a money order from the United States Post Office and you ask them for a domestic money order, it's no better 
them a Federal Reserve note. But if you ask them for an international money order where it has to leave and go somewhere else, or it doesn't have to, but if you ask for an international money order, that international money order from the U.S. Post Office is still backed by gold. The post office still has a gold reserve, and they still do that because it's a requirement of international commerce. Well, you'll recall, though, that the they're trying to kill the post office off in part because it still has a very large and powerful union. Um, oh, no, it's not about the union. The post office never had a union. It still doesn't, okay? There's a, there's a very important difference here. There's a thing called the post office. There's a thing called the U.S. Postal Service. The U.S. Postal Service is a private corporation under control of the government set up as a subcontractor to serve the needs of the U.S. Postmaster. They're operating under contract. The post office, the postmaster, is still a separate entity. The U.S. Postal Service is a subcontractor to assist. That's the difference. And what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, we're talking about the real post office, not the U.S. Postal Service. All right? Yeah. Uh, when is, uh, how long is this call going for? Until, you know, nobody else, uh, there was one other fellow or somebody who came on the, came on the chat and uh, they left. Wow. And you know what? It could go on for another 20 minutes or if you and I would just vote to call it a day, I'll be good with that. Okay. Then I will vote to call it a day. All right, everybody. Sorry that you missed. This could have been a really cool and interesting conversation for everybody, but uh, instead it was just a really cool and interesting conversation for a couple of uh, interesting and cool people. Hope you can join us next time. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.